The time is now. Volume 4, Episode 67, this is Employment Law Now, and I am Mike Schmidt. It is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020, and just a little while ago this afternoon, the United States Department of Labor held a 25-minute briefing call uh, with some stakeholders who were on the call. I was one of the people on the call uh, together with uh, other folks as well. And the briefing was led by uh, the Department of Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia and three other senior Department of Labor officials really to give a status update on three particular initiatives. One, uh, unemployment insurance programs. Two, workplace safety. And three, the implementation of the coronavirus-related paid sick leave and expanded FMLA leave. So for those of you who were not on the call or may not have even been aware of this briefing call, I wanted to give you a very quick update so you had a sense of what was said during the call. First, Secretary Scalia gave a little bit of context, a little bit of an opening statement, and made a few points worth mentioning. Uh, first, he noted uh, in the area of unemployment insurance that there were 4.4 million new unemployment insurance claims that were filed last week and over the past five weeks, which has really been uh, the primary pandemic period, there have been more than 26 million filings. He used that as some context uh, as to the reality, but also noted that there are still, at the government level, reasons for optimism, reasons to believe that this will still all be short-term. He also made a point of saying that the current unemployment insurance numbers, as well as the current state of the economy generally, is not due to anything that was inherently wrong with the economy, but obviously something that happened virtually overnight. He also mentioned President Trump last week issuing uh, his three-phase reopening plan for the country. Uh, Secretary Scalia noted that the Department of Labor on the U.S. side of things will be continuing to work with states to get unemployment insurance benefits to people who are entitled to them, including in particular gig workers that he highlighted, as well as others who were not historically eligible for state unemployment insurance benefits. He also reinforced that states must end payments, must end unemployment insurance payments when the recipients of those payments are in fact able to return to work. And that in fact has been a real significant issue that people in my group have been dealing with with our clients. Once you get to a point as a company where you are trying to reopen, restart business, bring employees back, what do you do when you have employees who don't want to come back just yet because they're happy with the unemployment insurance benefits that they're getting, particularly from now until July 31st when they're getting the $600 a week 
supplemental payment from the federal government. Those are things that companies uh, need to consider and need to work through from a strategy uh, standpoint, as I said, as they continue to consider the return to work scenarios. Uh, just uh, Secretary Scalia, I was about to say Justice Scalia, Secretary Scalia also mentioned that uh, just this week, in fact on April 18th, the Department of Labor ended its non-enforcement period. Uh, as many of you know, there was a one-month period where the Department of Labor said, we'll deal with and take in and hear complaints, but we will not enforce these new federal requirements for a month until April 18th to give businesses an opportunity to digest all of this, understand what their obligations are, and hopefully begin to comply. Uh, Secretary Scalia made a point to note that on April 18th, that non-enforcement period ended. Uh, he then touched a little bit on uh, OSHA before the uh, OSHA Assistant Secretary joined in later. Uh, and Secretary Scalia noted OSHA's current three-step approach to dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. The first step was providing information and guidance, working closely with the CDC on appropriate workplace and workplace hazard standards and also noting that OSHA will continue to provide guidance as appropriate. OSHA step two has been to investigate reports of unsafe workplaces. Uh, he also made a point to note that uh, the PPE rule and general duty clause, both of which have been issued by OSHA, uh, are both applicable to the current coronavirus pandemic, and employers should continue to be aware of both the PPE rule and the general duty clause as it may impose requirements on workplace safety standards. And then the third of the three OSHA steps has been uh, an initiative to really protect whistleblowers, those people who are going to their supervisors or going to a government agency in the first instance to make a complaint that a particular company is not following either shelter-in-place rules or other types of requirements, even under the new uh, PSL and FMLA provisions. So protecting whistleblowers has been a significant charge of OSHA to date and will continue to be. In that regard as well, while many of you are going through your checklists, many of you are uh, beginning to plan for the return to work, one of the things that you should be thinking about is to um, supplement your existing anti-retaliation policies, your existing whistleblower programs to make sure that employees feel as if there is a process, as if there is somebody at the company uh, management level who is there to take questions and receive complaints about workplace safety issues or the failure or perceived failure to follow um, appropriate policies and procedures and the law in this area. Uh, my firm, Cozen O'Connor, has prepared a preliminary checklist for employers to think about the return to work scenarios, both prior to the actual return to work and then once employees are being brought back to work. Um, if you want to send me an email, I'm happy to give you a copy of the preliminary checklist. Uh, the checklist is certainly going to be a fluid document and we will continue to update that as developments and as the federal, state, and local laws develop. Also, tomorrow, which is Friday, April 24th, 
We have our next webinar in our coronavirus webinar series at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, talking specifically about return to work considerations and best practices of what you should be thinking about as a company as you're beginning to plan and continuing to plan return to work options. If you are looking to register for our webinar tomorrow, again, Friday, April 24th at 1 o'clock Eastern, and you haven't registered already, we've got a little over 1,800 people registered for this. So don't be left out of all the great information. You can go to our website, cozen.com, uh, click on the Coronavirus Task Force banner, and find a registration link right there. So uh, the last two minutes has obviously been my editorializing. Uh, Department of Labor Secretary Scalia certainly did not go to the trouble of advertising our Cozen O'Connor resources, so I want to make that clear. Um, but going back to the Department of Labor briefing, Secretary Scalia did pass it then over to his assistant secretary for ETA, which is the Employment and Training Administration uh, wing of the Department of Labor. And really, uh, the briefing there was to update on the status of unemployment insurance programs. Uh, the Assistant Secretary made note of how the Federal Department of Labor will continue to assist states regarding their unemployment insurance programs, which are clearly uh, overwhelmed and inundated at the moment. Since March 12th, there have been six unemployment insurance letters relating to coronavirus situations that have been issued by the Department of Labor to states so that the states do have appropriate guidance in handling this. Uh, we heard a lot of uh, numbers on the briefing call. Uh, $1 billion in emergency unemployment insurance funding has been made available to the states from the federal government. More funding will continue to be given in phases to the states. Uh, going forward. 44 states, according to the Assistant Secretary, uh, have made necessary changes to start dispersing the $600 plus up payments already, and uh, the remaining states, uh, it is hopeful that they will continue to make those necessary changes to their programs so that those $600 supplemental plus up payments will be made to eligible individuals. Again, it was noted that uh, those who are self-employed, those independent contractors, and those in the gig industry are starting to receive benefits, even though historically they were not entitled to unemployment insurance benefits. Uh, and lastly, it was noted that the United States Department of Labor ha has been providing IS and IT assistance to State Department of Labor, State Departments of Labor, who have been challenged, there's no secret here, in responding to the many calls and many applications that have been submitted. The briefing call then moved to the Assistant Secretary for OSHA. Uh, who also gave a briefing on what has been going on and where their focus has been. Uh, since January 2020, we heard on the call OSHA had been working to educate the public and provide a whole new slew of resources and guidance, and that OSHA has been taking swift and decisive action since the whole coronavirus pandemic started. In fact, it was noted that there have been over 2,400 COVID-19 related workplace complaints that have been received in the past five weeks. The uh, OSHA was uh, has been able to close a little more than 1,400 of those. 
Uh, OSHA has been collaborating with the CDC to coordinate the reduction of workplace exposure and to institute best practices for employers. Just last week, OSHA issued guidance that outlines procedures for necessary reporting to OSHA. Um, a lot of been, people have been asking that question. If I become aware that someone in the workplace uh, has tested positive or may have the symptoms for COVID-19, do we have to report that to OSHA? And a lot of that is going to depend on what information the employer has and whether there can be a presumption determined that the uh, uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19 positive test was as a result of workplace exposure. Uh, to get a little bit more specific, and if you want to see OSHA's specific guidance, check out their website at OSHA.gov, or you can certainly feel free to reach out to me, and I'm happy to give it to you. Uh, they also noted during the briefing call that OSHA uh, continues to be active in publishing industry standards. They have already issued specific OSHA-related industry standards for uh, industries such as retail, uh, delivery, manufacturing. They noted that there will be other industries coming down the road in the in next few days, next few weeks. Specifically, they mentioned uh, the following industries, uh, meat packing, curbside delivery, health care, and construction. Uh, they listed a little bit of uh, a list of best practices that employers should continue to be thinking about uh, in the following areas, hygiene practices, social distancing, cleaning and disinfecting of offices, uh, equipment sharing, and more appropriately said, not sharing, um, between co-workers and certainly keeping sick people home and having appropriate procedures to, uh, to do that. Lastly, the uh, Department of Labor briefing this afternoon uh, then moved to uh, the administrator, chief administrator for the wage and hour division of the Department of Labor. Uh, who really went through uh, pretty much just a timeline of what has been going on with the Wage and Hour Division. Um, she noted that there have been a series of FAQs relating specifically to this pandemic that have been issued within the past few weeks. Going back to March 20th, she noted that the Wage and Hour Division, Division of the Department of Labor conducted an initial stakeholder telephone call that had more than 1,600 people asking questions and getting some answers about what was then the brand new federal law for paid sick leave and FMLA emergency requirements. The Wage and Hour Division then set up an online dialogue to further explain some of the provisions and frequently asked questions. In that period of time, the Wage and Hour Division received thousands of comments and on March 23rd, they put up their first set of frequently asked questions. For those of you who do want to copy, get a copy of those frequently asked questions and answers, you can go to the website dol.gov backslash whd. That is dol.gov backslash whd. You can also reach out to me and I'm happy to provide them. Since March 23rd, they have continued to add to those FAQs in various phases, sometimes three questions, sometimes an additional 10 or 15 questions to tack on their FAQ list. On March 25th, they published a sample notice poster that must be posted uh, or otherwise sent to employees by email 
or direct regular mail. They then added it uh, in Spanish and are now in the process of adding 11 different languages to that. Also, you can find that sample notice um, posting uh, on their website. Uh, I'm happy to provide it to you as well. On April 1st, they posted their regulations implementing the uh, new paid sick leave and FMLA emergency provisions. And then, as Secretary Scalia mentioned at the beginning of the call, on April 18th, the DOL's non-enforcement period ended. Again, that 30-day period was provided so that employers had time to digest everything since many employers, in the department's opinion, did not have in-house human resources or compliance teams that could quickly get up to speed with what was going on. Uh, between April 18th and now, the Wage and Hour Division continues to answer calls regarding Wage and Hour issues, and in some cases they noted even fielding other questions having nothing to do with Wage and Hour issues, but uh, people who are calling asking all kinds of questions uh, and are happy to have a voice at the other end of the phone from the government to hear them. The Wage and Hour Division of the Department of Labor has also been affirmatively reaching out to employers to advise of their obligations, even to remind them of their obligations, and to educate employers with these new obligations. Now that the April 18th uh, end period of the non-enforcement period has ended, uh, that was awkwardly said, let me start again. Now that April 18th has come and gone and the non-enforcement period has ended, the Wage and Hour Division uh, will be focusing on working through the complaints that employees, both current and former, are bringing to the department's attention. But they're also, and they also are making clear that they're focusing on issues beyond just the coronavirus-specific legislation. There have been issues brought to their attention involving missed payroll, uh, employers who are not paying their employees because of cash flow issues. So those are the kinds of things that the Wage and Hour Division continue to look at. And now, in addition to outreach, support, and education, will start to enforce fairly uh, strictly the requirements that employers uh, are now under in, this, uh, in the coronavirus legislation. The Wage and Hour Division has done more than 100 outreach events. They plan to do more outreach events, but again, enforcement is an area where they are now looking to focus and are hoping that uh, many employers are starting to get up to speed and following their new obligations. So that was it. Again, about a 25-minute briefing call from the United States Department of Labor. Uh, not a lot from a new or real substantive standpoint, but it was just an exercise to let people know that they have been working tirelessly on all of this, that they continue to be out there to try to help employers and employees while at the same time they are there as a government agency to enforce all of the new coronavirus rules uh, and hope that everybody is taking all of that seriously. So I wanted to update all of you on that if you were not on the call, and uh, I will continue to do so with further briefing calls that the Department of Labor and other government agencies decide to hold. So again, thanks as always for listening. Stay well, stay safe and healthy, and until the next time, I hope all of your labor is productive.